When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of the We Are podcast. We are live from Ohio Stadium, the Horseshoe, where Penn State suffered a defeat at the hands of the Ohio State Buckeyes. But let's be real here. They came in, competed, and really put on a good show defensively against the Buckeyes on Saturday night in Columbus. Hey, you know what, Jared? I just want to be entertained by games. I want to see good competition. When I watch sports, sports are supposed to be entertainment, all right? We get caught up in our teams and and expectations and goals. But at the end of the day, sports are an escape. You want to see good games. You want to see competitive games. I will be honest, and, and, and I think all of you need to be honest with yourselves, you probably thought Penn State was going to come in here and get their asses kicked. It was an 18-and-a-half-point line. Even some of the most diehard Penn State fans that I know mm-hmm. thought that they were going to come in here and get crushed. They were down 27-24 going into the fourth quarter. So these kinds of games are always interesting to me. And by the way, as Jared mentioned, we're, we're here at the Horseshoe. It's late, late Saturday night. This is my favorite venue to come to in the Big Ten. This is a great place if there's any Penn State fan that's, that's never been here. But if, you want, if you're here, watch the game on TV. This was a good game. And Penn State lost. And this was the third straight loss. And this was the number four team in the country a month ago. And this season has kind of fallen apart. And you can be angry about all of that. Whatever your goals were at number four, fans can be pissy about that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is this team showed a heck of a lot today compared to last week against Illinois, and there is a lot of positive in that. People talk about James Franklin as a coach, as a leader all the time. This was the perfect week for him to lose that locker room, and they came out and they competed. Yeah, right. And when and when that team showed that amount of character today, they went down the field, scored, um, and went up seven nothing against Ohio State. This week, with the the, the slip ups that he had, the loss against Illinois, where they just got out physicaled. Well, Penn State came out and, and up front. I thought they pretty much dictated the pace of the game. They took really the, the run game out for about three quarters, and it, it really just didn't work out in the end because Ohio State's running back ended up being just, you know, just breaking off a couple runs. And, and really Penn State got themselves in, in to a lot of conflicts with, with stupid penalties. Um, Joey Porter Jr. had a couple. But this was the perfect opportunity for Penn State to, to, to lay down, surrender Cobra, 
and they didn't. And I think that speaks volumes to the to the way that these guys respect James Franklin. Because listen, you can't you as much as you would love to put yourself in a vacuum and eliminate all talks and all distractions. That's physically not possible the way things are right now. So you're you're hearing your head coach James Franklin is is linked to LSU. He just got a new agent. Whether that's relevant or not, USC. He goes out, slips up at a couple of his pressers this week. Uh, mentions Ohio Stadium as the big house. It's the horseshoe. Everybody knows that. Mentions Illinois. Uh, mentions Ohio State. But at the end of the day, they came out. They competed, and I think it's fair to feel a lot better after this loss, even though it's the third in a row, than you could feel about Illinois' loss. I think that's a really good point about the leadership, and quite frankly, that's what I expected to see them come out of. Kirby Penn State a long time. There has always been pride and character in this football team and this football program, and there are good leaders. Mm -hmm. And the way they got embarrassed by Illinois, I actually fully expected a nice bounce-back performance in this game. Now, I did not expect them to win. I picked Ohio State to win by 16, but I, I, I kind of felt in the back of my mind that they would be in the game for most of the night. I didn't think they would be this closely in the game. But we, we've seen it time and time again. They were 20-point underdogs in 2016, and they mm. won that game. They've been double-digit underdogs in previous meetings against Ohio State, and they've competed. Why is that? Well, because Penn State has good players. Yeah. Penn State is the, you know, Penn State and Michigan, when they play Ohio State, they're going to have just about every bit as good of athletes and physical guys as Ohio State. When Ohio State plays everybody else in the league, they go out there with a massive advantage because they're just better than everybody else. They're not really that much better than Penn State or Michigan or some of these powerhouse teams. So I fully expected them to bounce back with, with a good showing. And, and I think you do make a good point, Jared, about James Franklin's leadership. Uh, uh, he had these guys ready to play. Clearly he was distracted during the week. Um, but that is why even though it's a loss, even though all the goals are really gone now, uh, there, there, was, there was a lot to like in the way Penn State played tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing, too, is, you know, you still have that bowl game. You still have that extra opportunity to get more reps because, you know, we don't know what, this, what Penn State's going to look like next year, whether it's going to be James Franklin, whether Sean Clifford's going to come back. But – you get they have one more win to get the bowl eligibility. If you're able to get that, you have that extended that extended period in December. I think it, which is a great thing for development um, moving forward. But you know you can say what you want about uh, about Franklin's game day management, and we can talk about some of the decisions that he made here in the second segment. But he had the team ready to play on a week that you know it, they could have easily just wilted, and I think that speaks volumes to the to the type of character. That this team has now on the other side, you know, this is probably about as equal as Penn State and, and Ohio State have looked on the field together. I, I don't think that Penn State was overmatched very often. Um, I thought that the quarterbacks played rather well. Um, C.J. Stroud had a couple um, bad passes. Sean Clifford was crippled by the fumble and then uh, an interception. Let me ask you: this. I think this is an interesting point. They lost by nine, thirty-three twenty-four. Okay, if they played again. Do you think Penn State is this close to this team in another game? Because I don't. I thought Ohio State really, really shot itself in the foot a lot tonight. And, yes, you mentioned Joey Porter. Penn State had some issues. 
But Ohio State was not sharp. The first starts were awful. Yeah, I think they're snapping fractions too. I'm sorry. Again, folks, I'm, we're trying to be honest here and give you the pros and the cons. The cons is they've lost three in a row. The pros is they lost by nine points on the road to the number five team in the country. Having said all that, though, if they played again, I, I, I think Ohio State is significantly better than Penn State. And, and I can see why people would think that they would beat them by 14, 17, 20 points. They didn't tonight, and that, that is a good sign for Penn State. But at the, at the same time, if I'm Ryan Day, I'm not happy with how my team played tonight. No, absolutely not. I think, you know, listen, we talked to Penn State when they were at Iowa, how many false start penalties that, that they got. Well, if you're the home team and you're getting this type of false start penalties and these, these snap or snap infractions, that's inexcusable. Yeah, right. You're the number five team yeah. in the country. But at the same time, on the field between the trenches, I thought Penn State played their best game right. up front. Yep. Now, defensively, yes. Offensively, not so much. And we'll get to that here in the second segment on the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, live from Columbus, Ohio. Corey, what do we know about Penn State right now? We are now five and three. Uh, we're eight games into the season. What do we know? That if Sean Clifford is healthy, this Penn State team has a chance. Okay, they were going to beat Iowa. Period. End of discussion. They they. Looked terrible against Illinois because he wasn't close. When he is healthy, he is a, a good quarterback. He threw a, bu- a bunch of passes today. Uh, he, he threw for a bunch of yards. He gives them a chance. Okay, but they can't run the ball for crap, man. I mean, they, this, is a, this is the most one-dimensional Penn State team I think I've ever seen. Maybe, and I have to go back with people that have watched them for, you know, decades. This is a one... Think about this. We, I focused heavily on this, Jared, last week. Illinois beat Penn State with 38 yards passing, which you would think that would be almost impossible to run for 357 and be so terrible that you throw for 38 yards and you still win the game. Don't forget, it only took nine overtimes. That's right. Penn State almost came in and beat Ohio State with 40 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Think about if, if this team were balanced at all, for goodness sake, they, they, you know, they maybe do win this game. But the, Sean Clifford has to do basically everything on this offense. Yeah, and I think the alarming thing is when we talk about the running back room uh, coming into the season, I think that was one of the strong suits, right? That was one of the things that we thought, you know, they were deep. They have Noah Kane. He's coming back. They have Kevon Lee coming back. Um, Devin Ford didn't see any action tonight. Um, John Lovett, they have him coming in from Baylor. He's been pretty solid. Do you think the issues are with the running backs themselves no. or up front? Because up front, the left side of the Penn State line today did not do a great job of protecting Sean Clifford. This offensive line for Penn State is absolutely horrendous in run blocking. This is not the running backs. Now, no, Kane fumbled the ball. You can't do that. They have nowhere to go. Uh, I think Audrey Snyder from The Athletic had a stat, you know, a, a huge number of, of carries this season. Guys met at the line of scrimmage or in the, or in the backfield. You, you can't run the ball 
when you have nowhere to go. And that's been a thing since Saquon played here. Since yeah, Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Barkley. And, and, and he was hitting the backfield more often than not. But Saquon Barkley was an all-elite all athlete, right? He's an NFL star when he's healthy. Didn't average a hundred yards a game as a senior, though, or his last, his last right. year. He didn't average a hundred yards, yards a game. He was held under a hundred yards in eight of thirteen games. You have an injured quarterback who's now close to hundred percent or at hundred percent. Your goal is to keep him upright, and they at times did, but at times they didn't, and it looked absolutely horrendous. Jared, it was twenty-seven to twenty-four midway through the th- fourth quarter, and Penn State finished with thirty-three yards rushing. What does that tell you? about if this were even remotely close to a balanced offense. So what's the problem? Okay, when, when we ask, what do we know about this Penn State team? We'll get to defense in a minute, too. The Mike Yersich offense, you know, I just – I'm not smart enough to know what offensive linemen do and are taught technique-wise in a passing game versus – I just look, folks, I don't know. I didn't play the offensive line. But – when, when you bring a guy in that's gonna, you know, hoping to turn your offense into a 40-point offense and you are just incompetent running the football, that's a system thing. These are not terrible offensive linemen. No. Rasheed Walker and Caden Wallace will play in the NFL for a long time. Now, people could say, well, they haven't played great and they've hurt their – Whatever. They're going to play in the NFL for a long time. I don't know if anybody else will on this line, but, man, when you rush for 33 yards and you can't run the ball even mm-hmm. against Villanova, mm-hmm. um, I, I, it is just you go into every game with Sean Clifford having to do everything. We mentioned that this is Sean Clifford's 75th offensive coordinator in <laughs> about five years. It's the same thing for the offensive linemen. Yeah, right. You know, so that's – that's, and, and I know you, look, you go from Matt Lime Grover to Phil Troutwine, and I don't think this is necessarily on either of those two, right? I think this is a schematic thing. It's got to be. And, and because, you know, these guys are, are, are good athletes. They're, they're good offensive linemen. They come in highly touted. They've, they've recruited the position well of late. But schematically, they got to figure out a way to make this work. And now Mike Kiersich has never been strong in the run game. And we mentioned in our predictions, I thought that – um, the Penn State run game would make James Franklin, you know, he's, he said this earlier this week, he would love to get a beer with all the beat writers, whatever. Well, and I, I mentioned in my prediction <laughs> that, that, that this game would make him want to drink an entire case of beer. And um, it, I, it would. That was a good comment. If I, if I, I'm, I'll, give you, I'll give you, seriously, as we're doing this, I'm giving Jared a pat on the back because that was, that was a great comment. It feels absolutely phenomenal. The Corey's been pumping my ego all, all night, you know, um, but the thing is, you have to be able to run the football in the Big Ten. You have to be able to run the football if you want to compete nationally. You want to get to that elite level that James Franklin talked about. You have to run the damn football. So what do we know about Penn State? What we know we, that they can't run the damn football. We know that basically they've got a nice passing game when Clifford is healthy, but we know that this is a, this is a very incomplete offense. The defense looked completely terrible against Illinois, but they come back tonight and they have a nice effort, you know. Yeah. Uh, Travion Henderson had uh, 22 yards on 15 carries before he broke off the 68-yard run. So what that tells you, and then they had another big run later on. What that tells you is when the defense just has so much on its plate and so much pressure because your offense is still struggling, um, you, you, you can look great on 95% of your defensive plays. You're, you're going to break every now and then. 
Right, and, and you know, the offense, this is probably the best complimentary football that they've played in a while. Though, the fumble, the scoop and score that Ohio State had, I thought was the dagger. That, that put seven points on the board for the Penn State, off, or for, the, for Ohio State and their offense doesn't even step on the field. You know, you can't defend that, right? And, you know, what we know about Penn State, you know their defense came to play today. They held, Penn, they held Ohio State to 26 points. You know, you take that, that I, I don't consider that a defensive issue. I think that the, because the, the defense wasn't on the field. So I think they gave up 26 points uh, to an Ohio State offense. It's, it's pretty elite. It's, it's a very good offense. Yeah. Up front. Sensational and offense. I, and, you know, it's, it's, it, we mentioned, uh, we talk about being focused and, and really buying in. And I think, you know, I was speaking with Arnold Abichetti after the game, and, and he was like, when we're focused and our attention to detail is there, that's the type of game we can play. So my thing, I, so I think back to that Illinois game because I think the Illinois game this year is the game that you think back to and you're like, what the F, what happened? It was a severe lack of attention to detail, lack of execution, lack of everything. Well, and but I James think, has focused on that. I think right. they had a lot of injuries. Right. I, if you, he even talked about it in his post game. I don't right. think we know what the deal with this team was going into that Illinois game. He didn't even want to get into it tonight. Yeah, the Iowa the, the Iowa game broke both it, it, teams. It really did. It, but I think Penn State, he, he taught – look, folks, it's not an excuse. It's a reason. If guys are hurt and they can't practice, that impacts you. And yeah, people right. can say that's an excuse. But, I mean, James was pretty, you know, straightforward about tonight that – Maybe he, we can talk about what happened against Illinois at some point. I think that they went into Illinois way, way more banged up than any of us could possibly know. Right. And at Penn State, they're not going to give us those details. Yeah. Um, and, and whatever. You can say what you want about that until you're blue in the face. But you're right. I, I think they were banged up. I don't think their attention to detail was where it should have been because it couldn't be. Right. And, and, you know, when you have that. But, again, we got, we're, we're talking about what do we know about them. We know the defense is good. We know that um, – that the offense can throw the ball. Parker Washington had an incredible game against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, Keandre Lambert-Smith was clutch. Brenton Strange did, did some good things. And Jahan Dotson's, of course, Jahan Dotson, right? And, and, and listen, anytime that you have Clifford on the field, and this is a, a polar opposite of, of what Clifford was last year, anytime Sean Clifford's on this field and performing and he's healthy, they have a chance to he's win the game. He's your only chance. Right. He, last year, Sean Clifford was losing games. This year, the only way they can win is if Sean Clifford does everything. Right. And, and you know, I think it spoke, speaks volumes uh, of how they feel about Taekwon Roberson uh, because he didn't play last week and Sean Clifford was not anywhere close to 100%. Yeah, there, there are a lot of problems with this Penn State team. But there are games left. The way, the way they came in here and battled. Now, can they repeat this kind of full bore, one hundred percent focused energy the rest of the game the rest of the season against a Maryland, against a Rutgers. Certainly you're gonna have it against Michigan, but are you gonna have it against Michigan State? You should, that's on the road. So uh, seven and five is still on the table. Mm-hmm. Nine and three is on the table. I mean everything is on the table at this point because we just when, five and seven is still on the table. Uh, yeah, no, I mean hey look, I would have thought that coming into this the way they played against Illinois the team that we saw tonight should not lose to Rutgers or Maryland. Right. No, they shouldn't. Uh, and they, there is some payback factor. Not that they like to get into the whole revenge game, but Maryland whipped them badly last year. That was embarrassing. That was, yeah. It was a 27-point underdog, and they crushed them. And so I think there's some payback factor for this week. Then you got Michigan, and Michigan doesn't throw the ball great. So, so when I say that there are no goals left, 
again, nine and three is still a possibility. Seven and five is a possibility. And we're going to talk about here in a few minutes how all of that will impact James Franklin because we have a lot of questions not only about the rest of this season, but what will happen to this Penn State football program going forward. Mm -hmm. And to me, a big part of it, a big part of James Franklin's future, and then the huge domino effect is these next four games. Right. You, you go three and one, James Franklin is still – we'll get into that here in a few minutes. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, because we mentioned this before, and we mentioned this on, on our, YouTube, uh, our YouTube video. How we felt about Penn State at Iowa, we know that Penn State lost at Iowa. It was based on injuries. Illinois came out and out physical Penn State because they, Penn State couldn't play physical brand of football. We, we thought the world was falling apart. The, the world was ending for Penn State football. They lose, blah, 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 blah. It's awful. Now, Penn State comes out, plays competent football, competitive football. Okay, well, the, there's, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Because you're right, they, they could go 9-3. and three. Uh, Michigan, I think you saw the blueprint to beat them. Obviously, that's, a, that's for, the, the, uh, for what, Paul Bunyan's axe, right? The, the trophy. It's not nearly as prestigious as the land grant. Let's be real here. Um, but all joking aside, because the land grant trophy is hideous, and we're going to do a podcast just solely as ugly as that someday. But you, you, you see the blueprint to beat Michigan. Penn State and Mar- or Maryland is, uh, I think, a little bit worse than Penn State. I, obviously, I think Rutgers is the same. They should handle that. So there's seven. Um, so you, you know, got to be either you, Michigan. You got to get to both. You got to right. And and now you get to be spoiler because Maryland's a top or not Maryland but um, Michigan State. Too many M's here, but Michigan State is going to be a top five f- football team. I think uh, they beat they beat Michigan. Um, they and and you know. Um, the They'll still have there, Ohio State. Kenneth Walker had an incredible game. Right. Michigan State, incredible I'm game. looking to see. When they, they've still got to play Ohio State right. before Penn State. Yeah, there's a lot that can happen in the yeah. Big Ten, but right. Penn State now plays a key role Ooh, in that. How about this? The week before Penn State goes there, Michigan State goes to Ohio State. Right. So you could have basically a 10-0 Michigan State team and goes and loses at Ohio State. Then what – will that do psychologically to Michigan State right. in that last game? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, when you have things to play for, because right now Michigan State's on the outside looking in. I think they, with their win over Michigan, I think they'll bump up a little bit. I'm not quite sure what the rest of the, um, what the, rest of the top ten did tonight um, or, or Saturday night, I should say. But Penn State has the opportunity to be the spoiler, and I think that's a great position because now they're, the, they're going to be the underdog against Michigan. They're going to be an underdog against Michigan State. Right. They get to go in with that underdog mentality, that chip on their shoulder. Can they pull off those upsets? Can they spoil those seasons and, and, and be that type of team? You're not wrong. All of that is, all of that is true, and that is, that is the reality of what they've got to play for. They were the friggin' number four team in the country a month ago, and right. now we're talking about Penn State can play a spoiler role. Is that what Penn State football is? I don't think that you would have any Penn State football fan out there that would say when you're the number four team and then three games later you're talking about playing spoiler, I'd be pissed. Seriously, I'd be pissed about that. Okay, mm-hmm. look, we're, we're giving you the reality of the pros and the cons, and I'm trying to make a case here that Penn State fans can feel better about this, but if I can remove my journalist hat and if this were my team, Jared, you've been a Penn State fan, right? Do you think it's do you think it's right for Penn State fans to still I mean even if they're optimistic about how this game played out 
to still say, what the hell, man? We were the number four team in the country yeah. a month ago. Yeah, and they're, they're honestly a half a football away from being the number two team. Yeah, sure. If right? Not hurt. And, so and, to go from that to playing spoiler, hell, we're, you, that's, what, that's what Maryland does. That's, right. what, that's what Northwestern does. What is the ceiling of the Penn State football program? James Franklin mentions elite all the time, right? You want to be the elite. You, you don't become elite by competing with Ohio State. Then let's take a break and we'll talk about that because that's, that's a big discussion with regards to the future of James Franklin. Right. And we'll catch you on the flip side here for this third segment, the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network from Columbus, Ohio. We talked briefly about James Franklin's future. What is the ceiling of Penn State football, right? I mean, James Franklin, we are the elite. We want to be the elite. Well, you can't get to being elite when you get when you're competing against Ohio State. You have to beat them consistently, right? We talked about people talk about little brother, big brother in Michigan and the Mitten mm-hmm. State, and Michigan State's had Michigan's number. Harbaugh. You want to talk about uh, an elite program or lack thereof, he gets routinely beat by Ohio State and Michigan State. And, and you know, when you're winning every other year against Penn State, you know, what, what is your ceiling? What do you want your ceiling to be as a program? Clearly, you know, the, the goal is to be top tier. And I think Alabama is there. Right now they're, they're not. They have that one loss, the bad loss to Texas A&M. Um, they, they, are, they are the epitome of, of elite. Dabo and, and Clemson, they struggled against a Florida State team that's really turned it on after the embarrassing loss that they had earlier in the season. So what, Corey, is Penn State's ceiling? Because this is where it gets kind of tricky. What, do you, what is their ceiling? Penn State is a really good college football program that you think can get to eight wins pretty much any year, nine wins a lot of years, and ten every now and then. Uh, it's not – this is not an elite program, obviously. There are only a handful of those. Oklahoma and Georgia are in that discussion as well. Uh, Penn State is a top 12 to 15 college football program. And the other 120 college football programs in the country, well, yeah, uh, the other, another 100 would love to be in that range. Okay, but Penn State has issues, and clearly when you're in this division, when, when you have to play this team every year, it is, it's a challenge. When we talk about James Franklin, and I now do believe he's going to USC. Let me ask you real quick. Just yet, do you think James Franklin is leaving after this year? Because you didn't two weeks right, ago. Right, right. And I think, it, I think it's much more. I think it's more 65-35 that he's leaving. You, you, so you're 65% leaving. I'm not 65-35 that he's staying. I you're 65-35 he's staying. Yes. I'm 65-35 I was, I was much leaving. higher than he yeah, was staying Yeah, you were. You were before. convinced a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and now I'm not so much. And, I, and, and the reason why is this week, right? We talked about this on, our, on, on Sports Central, uh, on your radio show on WRTA FM in Altoona. And, you know, you don't see the, the, character, the uncharacteristic slip-ups that he has. He's, he is – we talked about this on the way here – He's kind of like a robot, right? He says the right things. He says 
nothing. He says stuff without saying anything. And, and that's like all, all the coaches, right? You talk about the Tomlinisms, right? Obviously, the standard is the standard, whatever. Thank you guys for coming out. It, it, it is what it is. But he mentioned Iowa, or mentioned Illinois. He mentioned the big house. You don't confuse the horseshoe and the big house, no matter who you are. Now, I will say it with this. I think he was very much distracted by that game Saturday because that's a game – that would give you nightmares. And he did not look the greatest Illinois. physically uh, on Saturday against yeah. Illinois. Yeah. And in that game, that game right there would give me nightmares, stomach ulcers, hemorrhoids, you name it, it would give me those issues. And I think it's fair to say that he was distracted. And, and listen, when you have, again, we talked about this in the first segment, you can't put yourself in this vacuum as much as you want. If you simply look at your phone, you're going to have texts from Whoever, wherever, if they have your number, they're going to text you and say, hey, are you going? Are you staying? Whatever. You've got recruits. You've got families. You've got players. You've got coaches. Because let's not forget that James Franklin is responsible for a lot of the livelihoods of, these, of right. his coaching staff. So there are a lot of moving pieces, and, and that's why he wants to get a beer with us someday. Um, obviously, right, right. And, you know, right now it's a case of beer because that running game, you know, a beer for every yard of rushing. Well, got. I want to get back to why I think he's leaving. And that's, that's this Ohio State game. Yeah. You, you got to battle this team every year. They're in your division. James Franklin wants to – the bottom line is, oh, folks, if this offends Penn State fans, I'm not sorry. Ohio State is better than Penn State. And that's all there is to it. Ohio State is elite. Penn State is not. Ohio State is better than Penn State. Ohio State has better facilities than Penn State. Ohio State has a better football program than Penn State. Ohio State has more money than Penn State. Ohio State has better tradition than Penn State. There is nothing really remotely close about the two programs in terms of their history. And again, this may piss off Penn State fans who think that Penn State is at Ohio State's level. It's not. Because Ohio State is one of the three or four or five elite programs in this country, and Penn State is not, and has not been since the 80s. Mm-hmm. All right. And I would that say is 90s, what, early 90s, then 92. Maybe, 90s. but um, since the Big yes, Ten. Yes, 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 yes. 94. Yeah, when they were independent, it was much better. Correct. But this Big Ten alignment is terrible. This right here is, to me, the number one reason why I think he would want to leave Penn State. you got to beat this effing team to do anything. Yeah. At USC... You got to beat Oregon. Oregon. At USC, and Oregon has had a lot of success the last 15 years, but that's, they're not remotely close to Ohio the State. The Big Ten schedule, the Big Ten East is we're, a gauntlet. We're not even talking about Michigan and Michigan State. This, you've got to yeah. beat this team right. to even have a shot. Jared, what are Penn State's four best wins in this entire century? 05 against Ohio State, the Tom Ali set. 08 against Ohio State, the Mark Rubin strip sack. 16 against Ohio State, the kick six, and then Wisconsin. Penn yeah. State's four best wins this century, three of them have been against Ohio. Why is that? Because if you beat them, you can achieve your goals. Right. And James Franklin knows that, and I think James Franklin, folks, again, if I'm pissing you off, I'm not, I'm not sorry. Ohio State is better, and James Franklin knows that Ohio State has a better program than Penn State. And so why wouldn't he want to leave? If his goal is to win the national championship, USC probably offers a much more easier path than that. 
and, and and that's right. I mean, the Big Ten, the Big Ten leaders in Legends conferences was, were much better. The alignment is terrible. But you're still going to have Ohio Again, State in your right. division. You're going to have to beat Ohio State. The road to the Big Ten championship runs through Columbus, Ohio, and I don't mean that just because you actually have to drive physically through the city just to get to Indiana to in Indianapolis. But you have to beat Ohio State if you want to get there. That's just it's just that way. James Franklin can beat Michigan. James Franklin and, and his Penn State teams can beat Michigan State. He's 1-7 against Ohio State, and it took – I don't call it a fluke. I don't ever call the kick six a fluke. It was, they were prepared. It was a great play. But they needed what I believe the greatest play in the history of Penn State football – for James Franklin to beat Ohio Greg State. touchdown catches up there. But yes, it, it is. There and also, isn't and also more... the Giftopolis against Miami. I, yeah. I'll, I'll debate that. But, but they needed an unbelievable miracle play to beat Ohio State that, once. Once, Jared, in eight tries. That, that alone set the tone and really flipped the script with Penn State this decade, that decade. Really, because they they were mired in the sanctions. They really were. They were a, a mediocre. They turned the program team. around, but they haven't beaten them since. Right, but they've lost by one. To twice. be elite, you have to beat Ohio State. So I want one get back and seven to, isn't going to cut it. You're still sixty five thirty five. He stays. Yes. Why is that? Tell me why. I don't know that many people are going to want him. Okay. If he finishes seven and five, yeah. but but again, the grass isn't always greener, right? But at the same time here. We talk about Penn State and, the, and they win, they lose against Ohio State every year, and then they have one loss that they shouldn't lose to. Yeah, they have that one bad loss every year. One year it was Pitt. This year it was um, Illinois. You know, you lose to Iowa, great. It's three. You're, you're they're the three ranked team in the country. You lose your starting quarterback. You can't lose to Illinois. You can't lose that bad game every year. But see, I'm asking you why you think he stays. Why? You know, right. If I mean, he's seven and five and USC right. doesn't have an offer, that's. But let's say they go eight and four. Why? Why do you think he's still here next year? I mean, I I I, I think he's a Pennsylvania guy. I think on, you're honestly, buying all that Pennsylvania boy with a Penn State heart. I mean, listen. I, I think the the comfort level is there, but I do think that 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 hot seat is, is really starting to heat up. And here, I, I, here, yes, because so how you're fed up you're going to get fired you know, next year? Maybe I don't know. I, so I, why wouldn't you strike while the iron's hot when you can go somewhere that wants you? Well, do they want them? Well, that's 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 what that's what's at stake these next four games. Right. Okay. He's got to beat either Michigan. Or Michigan State. He's got to win one of those games. Yes. Because if you lose both of those games, the best you can do is 7-5. and five. And if I'm USC, even if I loved the guy two weeks ago, if he goes 7-5, and five, and at that point, that would make us either 5-3 and three They would now, be 11-10 and 10 11, over the last two years. 11-10, and 10, yeah. Because 4-5, uh, you know, and five, and that'd be 7. That's not good. And if you're USC, are you going to pay that guy $8, 9000000 million? But that's, that's whether USC wants him. You're right. To me... The question is, what does James Franklin want? And I think James Franklin sees what is in front of him with Ohio State. And in his mind, if he wants to win a national title, I, he might tell you over drinking a beer that he thinks he can do it here, and maybe he can, but I think there's a significantly higher chance that he can do it somewhere else. Right, and, and listen, it, it's not going to be easier at LSU. The easiest way to get to the, to the college football playoff and get to the promised land is through the Pac-12. Yeah, I've never thought LSU. I think Mel Tucker's going to LSU. Yeah, and, and listen, we talked about this multiple times uh, when, we, when we had lunch with Tom Reed today. Mel Tucker is a bad dude. 
I'm. He has turned. He, up, he has. He stared it. me through the eyes, uh, through the camera lens today, and I started shaking. He looks mean. I had to mad check. All the time. I had to check my pants. But if he, <laughs> but if he gets gets look, I I think James wants USC. People I've talked to that you know have have some familiarity with with some inner work. They think James wants USC, and they think USC wants James. So the pressure on James Franklin is to not screw it up. By going seven and five, and that's why they had better come out and beat. Mar- you lose to Maryland. We, remember that leadership we talked about on the mm-hmm. team earlier. You lose to Maryland, this season could fall apart. Well, They've had good. If they lose but- to Maryland, and they even, and if it's even close against Rutgers, um, I think it's a very, cha- very good chance. Sandy Barber's and James Franklin officer, vice versa, and you need to step your stuff up. You need to step it up or we're going to go another way. Well, I don't think he gets fired after this year. No. He does but, get an asterisk for last year yes. for COVID. But he can – look, folks, we've been talking about James Franklin to USC. If they crap the bed the rest of this season, we're talking about James Franklin going into next year on the hot seat at Penn State. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's – you know, right now – it. it you can say what you want about this game. The Illinois game is always is going to be put up there on the on the clipboard, the bulletin board. You don't lose that game. Now, like I said, I still think that he stays. I think Penn State. I, honestly, I, if I'm James Franklin and I'm Sandy Barber, I'm in, I'm at the Big Ten offices, and, and I, I'm sure it's the same other other schools except for the Big Ten West because Big Ten West is like <laughs> we are fine. Wisconsin and Iowa. Wisconsin now after their first game. They're going to be in the Big Ten Championship. You know? It's interesting because I, I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to beat one of the Michigans and that they're going to beat Maryland and Rutgers. And to me, if they're 8-4, and four, he has shown he can build a program. He built it at Edford Vanderbilt. He built it at Penn State back up. That is what USC wants. USC is not in – see, Penn State – I don't think James Franklin can get Penn State to a national championship. But that's not what USC wants from James Franklin right now. James Franklin – USC would want James Franklin or any other coach to build them back into respectability. The Trojans are a work in progress. They are. They're two to three to four years from getting to where Penn State is now or has been. So James Franklin has shown he can do that. And so that, to me, is why I do think that they will remain interested in him as long as they can get to, say, eight wins. And that's, again, again and I think um, that's one of the things, too, where I think that he stays because he doesn't want that project. All right? So, but that's a story for a different day. This has been the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast. DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll catch you again next week after the Penn State's game against Maryland. 